If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with us to the book of 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel uh, chapter 12. Uh, I don't like reading this much scripture at one time, but it uh, seems like we uh, on this message here today. I can't get away from that, so um, we will read all 19 verses. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb which he had brought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own food and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he was not willing to take of his own flock and of his own herd to prepare it for the wayfaring man who had come unto him, but took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against, this, against the man, and he said unto Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man who hath done this thing shall surely die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. And Nathan said unto David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul, and I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives unto thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had not been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Why hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be your wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore, the sword shall never depart thy house. I want you to think about that right there. The sword will never depart your house, because thou hast despised me. And has taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house. And I will take thy wives before thy, thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor. And he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of the sun. For thou did this secretly. But I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. However, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme the child that also is born unto thee, this shall surely die. And Nathan departed unto his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore unto David, and it was very sick. David therefore besought God for the child, and David fasted, and went in and lay all night upon the earth. And the elders of the house arose and went to him. 
to raise him up before the earth, but he would not, neither did he eat with them. And it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. And the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, he spoke unto him. We spoke unto him. And he would not hearken unto our voice. How, the, how will he then vex himself if we tell him that the child is dead? But when David saw that his servant whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said unto his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. Father, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts today. Lord, there are some things in all of our lives that we'll never get over. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to see and know that you love us. And if we have asked for forgiveness, you have forgiven us. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us to forgive ourselves in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Sin is a horrible word. We share with our Good News Club, sin. And we ask them, how do you spell sin? And they will, they will out loud say, S-I-N. I say, what is in the middle of this sin? And they'll say, I. It's I, y'all. Listen, I can't blame anybody for my sin. When I think of my past, I cannot blame one living soul. It's me that has sinned. It's me, O oh Lord, that stands in the need of prayer. It's me, O oh Lord, that stands in the, in, the, in the need of forgiveness. It's me, O oh Lord, that needs the peace that passes all understanding. And David, he was that man. Nathan, God told Nathan, he said, you need to go and speak to David because he is suffering. If you remember back in the Psalms, David said that the God, the God's hand was heavy upon him to the point that the moisture in his hand dried up to the point that they were cracking open. And God said, Nathan, I want you to go down there and talk to him. He needs to repent. He wants to repent. But he's hung up in his past. And Nathan goes and shares this story about a man who had many flocks and somebody came in need. Instead of taking one of many, he went to his neighbor and took the only little lamb that he had and slayed that lamb. And David said, that man ought to die. Can you imagine how Nathan must have felt as he looked at David and said, son, you're that man. The things that you have done is unbecoming as a man of God. And you can read, you can find in the scripture where it says David was a man after God's own heart. And yet he sinned. Where does that leave us? Listen, there's not a one of us in here this morning, not one, that has not sinned. Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, uh, verse 7, uh, when, when he said, thou art the man, let me tell you something. It brought about disappointment. It brought about disappointment in David's life when he began to think, gosh, what I had and what I was doing. Now, look at me. He was disappointed in his own self. He was discouraged to the point he thinks, hey, I don't even be deserve to be called the king. I don't deserve this position. It's a disgrace what I have done. It brought him to the point 
of decision. And that's where all of us are. Listen, we need to make some decisions. Am I going to continue to live like I'm living? And I'm not saying you're living in a sinful life, okay? Am I going to continue to live like I'm living? Or am I going to step up to the plate and seek the Lord and do more than I've been doing the coming year? You know, we're just on the brink of 2020. That's going to be easier to write than 19 to me. 2020. You know, you think about your vision, 2020, the year 2020, it's right around the corner. What are we going to do? Oh, I'm going to make this resolution, that resolution. Resolutions are junk. <laughs> Can't keep them no how. Lord, this is what I would love to accomplish. And unless you help me, I can't do it. Lord, I, I just beg you to show me what you want me to do in 2020, and I will do it. Well, when we think about this, with all of our abilities to overcome the difficulties of life. We're not strong enough. We have to depend on the Lord. So when I think about some things that we'll never get over, first of all, listen, we will never get over the memory of sin while on this earth. I know what I used to do. I know what I used to be. I can't change that. That's days gone by. But it haunts me today that of who I was and that God would see fit to call me to preach his word. Yes, I've been forgiven. I have forgiven myself, but the memory is still there. I'll never get over the memory of what I used to be. And it haunts me. Um, when I think about this, uh, sin, when it is finished, brings forth death, by the way. And when I think about things that, that will never get over the memory, I think about the harvest of sin. The harvest. Uh, there's a harvest for sin. Be sure your sins will find you out. But it says the wages of sin is death. Wages. What is wages? It's what we get paid. It's what comes back. So what are we sowing? You know, if we're not sowing anything, we don't expect to reap a harvest. If we sow to the wind, we reap a whirlwind. What do you do with a whirlwind? These massive things that are out west whirlwinds will turn you over. I told you when we were on our trip out west, I saw this thing coming. I mean, it looked like a tornado. And they said, no, it's just one of those out west whirlwinds. I watched the thing. And I'm going down this highway, a two-lane road in a 36-foot motorhome pulling a 16-foot uh, uh, car hauling trailer behind me. And that thing broadsided us. And I'm not teasing. All I could do to keep from running out of the road to push me plumb into the other lane. You sow to the wind, you'll reap a whirlwind. And you won't be able to control it. Only God kept that camper in the road. I was doing my part, and that's all that I could do. So we need to be care careful and not careless. You see, David, uh, he was going to reap. He was reaping what he had sown. 
and what he had committed. So not only the harvest of sin, but I think of that memory, I think of the heartache of sin. Sin will bring heartache. Now listen, we can look around our community. I don't have to tell you, and you see sin everywhere. It bothers me. I'm telling you, it bothers me. And if you want it, does it, that's fine. That's your business between you and God. But it bothers me when I see one of my church members buying beer. It bothers me. I pulled in the station to get gas. I went in to pay. And the clerk says, you know, you're amazing. I said, what? He said, anytime you pull up to get gas and your folk come in here getting beer, they'll say, put it in a bag. <sighs> and I'm thinking if they only knew who was looking, I'm not keeping the record. How would you feel if you walked in a good high class restaurant and there I sat, Lynn and I, and I got this big beer sitting there and I'm a dish of guzzling away and hey, hey, you'd think less of me and don't say you wouldn't if you do, you're lying. It's up to you what you do, but I promise you I am living proof you will reap what you sow. So don't say it's my business what I do, when I do it. Well, you take it that way if you want to, but the end is not good. In verse 14, Nathan told David that the child that was conceived in sin would surely die. First part of, of reaping what he had sown. Verses 16 and 19, the Bible said he laid in the dirt seven days, would not say a word. And he heard his servants whispering, and he caught the little word death, and he turned and he said, is the child dead? Don't you know it hurt those servants to say, David, the child's dead, he just died. Now, if you've lost a child to death, don't take that the wrong way, okay? God's in control. And, you know, I don't never, ever, I don't look forward to funerals, but I've had several baby funerals, and the only comfort I had there to know that that baby was back in heaven with God. Praise the Lord for that. Well, sin continued. You know, the Bible said, uh, as long as you live, David, the sword will never leave your house. And reading back on that, um, David's daughter Tamar was raped by her own brother Ammon. Raped. Forced. You go back and read that scripture. It's a horrible thing. He said, go tell Tamar I'm sick. Would she please come and wait on me? I'm, I'm bad sick. He wasn't sick a bit more than I'm sick. But when she came, he said, how about baking me some bread? Honey, I feel like if you just bake me some bread, I believe I'll, I'll be okay. All the servants left the room. Nobody but her and him present. She brings the meal in. He grabs her by the hand and said, come and lay with me. She said, no, no. He forced her. He raped his own sister. Do you think that affected David? I'll guarantee you it affected him, just like it would affect us today. He had one of his sons that went after part of his kingdom, fighting his own daddy. You remember, God said, the sword will never leave your house. 
Listen, it don't pay. I'm going to tell you, it does not pay. But the benefits that it does pay is horrible. Uh, sin will bring back a hindrance also. Let me tell you something. When I'm thinking of my past, I'm not thinking of what God wants me to do. It'll hinder the work of the Lord. Now, the last thing I want to do, y'all, is hinder the work of God. Listen, we'll never get over the memory of sin. Secondly, we will never get over the slackness in our life while here on earth. What are we slack about? Well, I know what I'm supposed to be doing, okay? I'm supposed to be preaching the word. I'm supposed to be telling people about Jesus. I'm supposed to be inviting people to God. I'm supposed to be inviting people to church. I'm supposed to be encouraging couples when they come and want to get married of how a marriage is supposed to work. I'm supposed to be counseling people who are having trouble to trust the Lord with all they have. I'm supposed to be helping those who are in need. But listen to you, pastor. I'm slack in some areas. Why do we get slack? Because we get to thinking about our past. When we see somebody that's caught up in something that we probably used to do, and we feel ashamed to go to them. But listen, you're the best person to go to them. How are you going to help somebody get over something if you haven't been there yourself? You know, a lot of times people come and say, hey, can you come visit my brother? He, he's an alcoholic and he needs help. He needs the Lord. I can go, but I can't sympathize with that person. I've never been an alcoholic. So I pick out one of my members who I know has been dry for years, but used to go be there and know what it is to help that person get out. You know, sometimes people don't know how to get out. In fact, they can't get out without some help. But a lot of times they don't know. They don't know who to call on. Slackness. Uh, I know some of you, you, you have your own reasons. And that's fine. You know, I'm going to be here. Mark's going to be here. A lot of you are going to be here on Sunday night. But some of you aren't. You mean you, you're this embedded in your mind. I don't go on Sunday night and don't bother me. I ain't going on Sunday night. You know, I, I, was, uh, I was really amazed Wednesday night at the crowd we had on Wednesday night. Did you come for the business meeting? Or did you come for the Bible study? You know, somebody said, wow, if we had this crowd on Wednesday night for our Bible study, I said, yeah, we would really go somewhere, probably wouldn't we? We try to help people. Hey, we get slack. I watched a car, a truck, a truck pulling a car one time with a chain, okay? It came to the stop sign. I don't know what the husband had told the wife. I have no idea. But when I'm being pulled, I say, look, I will do the stopping, okay? Well, I'm going to tell you something. The one that's in the front vehicle, it's nerve-wracking. Are they going to get me stopped before I pull out in front of all this traffic? Well, evidently, they didn't. So he puts the lead, the, the, the husband puts on the brakes, and, and I saw it. The chain went to dragging, just dragging. And then all of a sudden, 
She realizes, Ricky, hey, I'm supposed to stop him before he gets out of the She slams on the brake. The chain just like that jerks the vehicle, and he jumps out and says, what's the matter with you? Ah, he ought to be thankful she finally put on brakes. You know, slackness in our life will cost us. Slackness in our life will cause us to get our nerves tore up. That's why it's so important. Listen, are you slack on Bible reading? You know, if, if, if you can read, there's no excuse for not reading God's Word every day. There's no excuse. If you can't read, hey, I got all kind of tapes and little radios that don't do a thing but play Scripture. I mean, he starts out in Genesis 1-1, and he'll go all the way through the book of Revelation. All you got to do is listen. But we get slack in reading God's Word. We ought to be ashamed. It's God's letter to us. How are we going to know what he wants if we don't read his letter? We get slack in our prayer life. Oh, I just didn't have time to pray. Let me tell you something. You pray going down the road. Jesus said, watch and pray. Now, how are you going to watch with your eyes shut? That means I can drive down the road, my eyes wide open, and I can be just talking to the Lord. Are you slack in Bible reading? Are you slack in prayer life? Are you slack in inviting and encouraging people to come to the Lord? And I've had people say, you just don't know what I've been through. No, I certainly don't, but God does. You don't know how low down I am. No, I don't, but God does. I don't care what your excuse is. God knows it already, and he's ready to fill the gap. He's ready to tighten the chain. He's ready to take away the slackness so you and I can be what we ought to be. It's amazing to me what God will do if we will let him. You know, uh, we, we never get over the slackness, our slackness in being devoted to God, but also, listen, our slackness in the discipline of our children. I'm going to give you three excuses that I've heard as a pastor. Well, in fact, there are three stages to discipline, okay? I've heard this out of parents. Way well, too little. He's too little to spank. You know what the next stage is? He's not only too little. First thing you know, he's too big or she's too big. You know what the next stage is? Too late. Too late. I whipped my boys. They're as big as I am. Now they're bigger than I am. I never, ever whipped one that I was sorry I whipped for what they had done, okay? I was sorry I whipped so hard, but not that I whipped, okay? My daddy wore me out, rightfully so. I never got one I did not deserve. I missed some I should have got. And one of our sons said, hey, fire him up. Yeah, fire him up. I said, you didn't. Yes, I did, Daddy. You did to me. 
Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he'll not depart from it. Hopefully, God willing, he'll come back. But if you don't do it while they're here, first thing I know, they're here, then they're there, and then they're gone. It's too late. Man told me one time, I said something to him about his son not coming. He said, well, you ought to just try it. I said, listen, I done raised two boys. And I said, as long as you live under this roof and you eat my food and you wear my clothes, you will do this and this. And when you're tired of doing this and this, then you can move out. So he went to his room and he began to pack up stuff. I go in. I said, what are you doing? I'm picking my radio up. I'm picking my tapes. Whoa, I bought that. That's mine. What are you doing with all them clothes in that bag? I bought them clothes and shoes. Look at these boots. I bought them. You better put that stuff back. Daddy, what do you expect? I expect you to be mindful of your mama and me and to love us because we love you. I don't want to call the name of which one it was. But he wanted a waterbed. Water bed. He'd be wanting to go to the bathroom all night. <laughs> Turn over, slitch and sloshing. Well, we got him one. Fill that joker with water. I'm thinking, boy, I hope the floor holds up. I mean, hundred, I don't know how many gallons it took to fill this thing up. And then you plug it in to get it warm. I'm thinking, man, that's using unnecessary power. So every day after he left for school, I unplug it. <laughs> no use heating the bed all day when nobody's going to be in it, okay? <laughs> That's foolish. <laughs> Come evening, he gets ready to go to bed. Mama! <laughs> Who unplugged my water bed? It's cold. Your daddy did. <laughs> he tells that story even today. It's a true story. I was such a hard daddy. I, if I could go back, I'd change just a little bit. <laughs> you know. <laughs> now he's got his own youngins. <laughs> he might be reaping what he sowed. I don't know. <laughs> but listen, sin is a horrible thing. Sin will catch up with you. Sin will carry. Listen, sin will carry you places you didn't plan on going. It'll cause you to spend more than you intended on spending. And it'll cause you to stay longer than you anticipated on staying. Well, discipline is important. Then there's his duty to the neighbor. Well, I don't care nothing about that neighbor. I don't know him anyway. He works a third shift, and I wouldn't dare go over and wake him up. Hey, listen, send him a note. Hey, I'm your neighbor over here. I don't know exactly what schedule you work, but I want you to know here's my name, here's my phone number, and I'm your neighbor next door. And uh, if you need me, I don't care what day or hour it is, here's my phone number. There's no excuse. Oh, I don't want to go over there. Man, they got, you've seen the dogs they got? They got a chain link fence five foot tall to keep the dogs in. Write them a letter. Write them a letter. It's okay. Say, I notice your dogs, you got some good, that's a nice fence you got. You know, brag on them a little. We're responsible for our neighbor, by the way. Bible says we are. Jesus said, you love your neighbor as you what? 
love yourself. Now, if you don't do nothing for your neighbor, evidently you don't love your neighbor, and I guess you don't love yourself. All right, we don't want to spend a day here. Let me give you the third thing right quick. We'll never get over the memory of sin. We'll never get over our slackness. But listen, we'll never get over salvation while here on earth. I am so thankful that God saved my soul. There ain't a morning goes by that I don't say, Lord, thank you for salvation. Thank you for saving me. Uh, you know, David was one of God's children that belonged to the Lord. He was a saved man. But there was a time in his life, the Bible says, there came a day when kings, and David was a king, when kings go forth to battle, but David stayed at home. Stayed at home. Sad. I don't have time to tell you that story, but he stayed at home. And while he was at home walking in the cool of the day, the Bible says he saw a woman taking a bath. Flat top roofs, okay? Now, how many of you take a bath with clothes on? That tells me she was broad naked, okay? And he's sitting there and looking and enjoying the view. So he decides, hey, I want that. I'm going to have that. I'm king. I should be able to have anything I want. He inquired, who is that? They told him. He said, tell her to come here. I want to see her in my chambers. Hey, being the good person she was, she obeyed the king. She went. Long story short, he had sex with her. She had a baby. The baby died. He had her husband sit home from, on furlough from the war, got him drunk, and then had him killed. How much further in sin could he go? But yet he came back and asked God to forgive him. You can't go too far, y'all. Listen, people say, oh, I'll ne I can never be saved. Oh, yes, you can. If you're lost and you know you're lost, you invite Jesus into your heart. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. And he says, I will. Praise God. I don't understand what kind of God we serve that would love a person so low down as this. But he does. He does. Day and night, he does. Listen. May we realize that we will dearly pay for our sins. It says you reap what you sow. But let me tell you something. The promise of the Savior is this. Bottom line, and I'm finished. He said, I'll never leave you, and neither will I forsake you. He said, no man's going to take you out of my hand. You mine. I bought you with blood. You are mine forever. He said, I'm going to come again. And I'm not going to waste my time. When I come, I'm collecting the church and the church only. I'm taking them back home where I've got a place prepared for them. And then he says, all that the Father hath given me, Jesus said, I have not lost a one. Hey, that's promises, y'all. Promises from God the Father who said, I love you regardless. You can't do enough. You can't buy enough. You can't give enough to get saved. What, what we have to do is commit our lives to him, ask him to forgive us of our sins and save our very soul. I hope today God spoke to you in some way. As I said, I'm, I'm, even today I'm reaping what I sowed back there as a teenager. I wouldn't dare tell you some of the stuff.
but it bothers me that I would do such things as I did with God looking and yet see fit to call me to preach his word. Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for this time, Lord, to come together around your word. And Lord, I'm sure I have slaughtered your word today. But Lord, I pray that something has been said or read that's pleasing unto you that is spoken to hearts. Lord, I realize it's it's my job, it's my responsibility to preach, to meet people's needs. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit will deal with all of us. And Lord, we'll be so grateful to thank you and praise you, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.